Well, Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters. Glad to see everyone back for another exciting edition of God Honest Truth live stream. Now, tonight's drosh is going to be about something that we're all going to face at some point or another. Every living thing that we know, every single person that we have ever met, that we do know currently, or that we ever will meet, will die at some time. Some point in history, we're going to die. That's just a fact of life. And scripture tells us it's because of our sin. Because of our sin, we will die. But what is it that happens to us after we die? That's the question we're going to get into tonight, and we're going to examine it from scripture. So obviously there's going to be lots and lots of scripture. So get your notebook ready, get your pen and pencil ready, and get ready to take down those notes. But before we get to that, we're going to be getting to our liturgy, of course, and we're also, of course, going to get to our Torah portion, our Haft Torah portion, and our Brit Hadashah portion as well. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time, we'd like to say shalom and welcome. We are God Honest Truth, and we are a Messianic ministry based out of Western North Carolina. You can always find out more about us by going to our website at www.godhonesttruth.com, and there you can find information about the ministry. You can find resources to help you in your faith and your education. You can find resources to help you in your learning of Hebrew. You can find notes on various subjects. You can find all sorts of things, including our social media links, our podcast links, our videocast links, and ways to contact us if need be. But as always, the easiest and best way to contact us is through email at team at godhonesttruth.com. So, with all the housekeeping out of the way, let's go ahead and dive right into our liturgy. Kohol balevav panimam nefesh yehudi ohmiyam misrak Kadimam Ayin Lazion Sophiyam O Loavda Tikvatenu Atikva Bashnotapayim Lahiyotam Koshi Ehartsenu Eret Zion Verushalayim Lahiyotam Koshi Beharzenu Eret Zion Verushalayim Shema Yisrael, Yahweh Eloheinu, Yahweh Echad. Baruch Shem Kivod, Malhuto, Leholam Vayed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be his name, whose glorious kingdom is for eternity. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your might. And have these words which I command you this day be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and let them be frontless between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. So in the way of announcements this week, we'd like to bring to everyone's attention that the past couple of weeks, we have been uploading just the tour portions to both YouTube and Rumble. So if you're not subscribed and rung the bell to be notified, make sure to go ahead and do that. That way you'll get notifications of every time that we go live or when we upload an on-demand video. And also, like always, we're going to give you the list of upcoming episodes for about the next two months or so. Like we said, tonight is going to be a drosh all about the subject of what happens when we die. So definitely stay tuned for that. And then next week, we're going to be getting into a drosh on faith. And of course, the next two months or so of upcoming episodes is up there on your screen at the moment. Make sure to tune in every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for each of those different episodes. And as always, here's your list of upcoming Moedim or feast days for the next upcoming year, all the way through Sukkot of next year. And of course, our next upcoming feast day in just two days is going to be Hanukkah. That starts on December 18th at sunset and runs through sunset of December 26th. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Hanukkah or you'd like some more information about it, go back and watch the episode we done about two weeks ago on the holiday or the feast day of Hanukkah. It gives you the history. It gives you why Hanukkah. It gives you symbols. It gives you things to do. It gives you food to eat, all sorts of stuff, all about Hanukkah. So if you'd like to learn more, go back and watch the drosh we did on Hanukkah about two weeks ago. And as always, if you have any prayer requests or announcements that you would like to have announced live on air, make sure to have those in to us by Thursday evening at the latest, because we do go live every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and get back to our liturgy. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has given us the way of salvation in Messiah Yeshua. He walked among us, filled with your Spirit. The only one who ever perfectly fulfilled your Torah, he healed the sick and raised the dead. The multitudes of our people sought his touch. He taught as no man taught. With authority he brought forth the treasures of the Torah. How the children sought him, the lepers he touched and made clean. How the despised and outcast found love and release from their sin. How the hypocrites feared him, whose words uncovered their sin. Despised and rejected, acquainted with grief, he bore the sins of Israel. All we like sheep have gone astray, turned every one to his own way. Our iniquities were laid upon the king, the sins of the world, his burden to bear. He rose from the dead and opened the way to life everlasting. Praise his name. We are in him. His spirit empowers. New life is ours with joy and peace. 
Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has given us Messiah our King. For the sake of our Master Yeshua, and His merit and virtues, may the sayings of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be favorable before you, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer. Amen. Avinu Shabbat Shemayim Yikkadesh Shemcha Tavo Mahutecha Yehasa Retzonecha Ba'aretz Ka'asher Na'asa Vashemayim Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done, as on earth, so as in heaven. Ten lanu Hayom Lachem Hukenu Usalach lanu Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Olamim. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. None can compare to you, O Lord, and nothing compares to your creation. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your mercy endures throughout all generations. The Lord is King, the Lord was King, the Lord shall be King throughout all time. May the Lord grant His people mercy, may the Lord bless His people with peace. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me, let us exalt Him together. And it came to pass, whenever the ark went forth, Moses would say, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, may those who hate you flee from before you. For from Zion shall go forth the Torah, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Blessed be he who in holiness gave the Torah to his people Israel. And tonight's Torah portion is going to be in Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 through 18. And we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home if you would like to read along with us. Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 through 18. And to Moshe he said, Come up to Yahweh, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and you shall bow yourselves from a distance. But Moshe shall draw near to Yahweh by himself, and let them not draw near, nor let the people go up with him. And Moshe came and related to the people all the words of Yahweh and all the right rulings. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which Yahweh has spoken, we shall do. And Moshe wrote down all the words of Yahweh and rose up early in the morning. 
and built a slaughter place at the foot of the mountain, and twelve standing columns for the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, and they offered ascending offerings and slaughtered slaughterings of peace offerings to Yahweh of bulls. And Moshe took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the slaughter place. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that Yahweh has spoken we shall do and obey. And Moshe took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, See, the blood of the covenant which Yahweh has made with you concerning all these words. And Moshe went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. And they saw the Elohim of Israel, and under his feet, like a paved work of sapphire stones, and like the heavens of for brightness. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the chiefs of the children of Israel. And they saw Elohim, and they ate and drank. And Yahweh said to Moshe, Come up to me on the mountain, and be there while I give you tablets of stone, and the Torah and the command which I have written to teach them. And Moshe arose with his assistant Yoshua, and Moshe went up to the mountain of Elohim. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. And see, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has matters, let him go to them. And Moshe went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. And the esteem of Yahweh dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moshe out of the midst of the cloud. And the appearance of the esteem of Yahweh was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain before the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moshe went up into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And it came to be that Moshe was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Orukata Yahweh Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Natan Lanu Torah Temet, Vechaye Olam Betukenu, Orukata Yahweh Notain Ha Torah. Amen. This is the Torah which Moses placed before the children of Israel. It is in accord with the Lord's command by the hand of Moses. It is a tree of life to those who take hold of it, and those who support it are praiseworthy. Its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. Bring us back, Lord, to you, and we shall come. Renew our days as of old. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has chosen faithful prophets to speak words of truth. Amen.
And tonight's Hoff Torah portion is going to be Isaiah chapter 60, verse 17, through chapter 61, verse 9. And once again, we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 17, through chapter 61, verse 9. Instead of bronze, I bring gold, and instead of iron, I bring silver, and bronze instead of wood, and iron instead of stones. And I shall make your officers peace, and your magistrates righteousness. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor ruin within your borders. And you shall call your walls deliverance, and your gates praise. No longer is the sun your light by day, nor does the moon give light to you for brightness, but Yahweh shall be to you an everlasting light, and your Elohim your comeliness. No longer does your sun go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for Yahweh shall be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. And your people, all of them righteous, shall inherit the earth forever, a branch of my planting, a work of my hands to be adorned. The little shall become a thousand, and the small one a strong nation. I, Yahweh, shall hasten it in its time. The spirit of the master Yahweh is upon me, because Yahweh has anointed me to bring good news to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh, and the day of vengeance of our Elohim, to comfort all who mourn, to appoint unto those who mourn in Zion, to give them embellishment for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And they shall be called trees of righteousness, a planting of Yahweh to be adorned. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, raise up the former waste, and they shall restore the ruined cities, the waste of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be called priests of Yahweh, servants of our Elohim shall be said of you. You shall consume the strength of the nations and boast in their esteem. Instead of your shame and reproach, they rejoice a second time in their portion. Therefore they take possession a second time in their land. Everlasting joy is theirs. For I, Yahweh, love right ruling. I hate robbery for ascending offering, and I shall give the reward in truth and make an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known among the nations and their offspring in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed Yahweh has blessed. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us the living word in Messiah Yeshua. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the renewed covenant. Amen. And tonight's Brit Chadashah portion is going to be Matthew chapter 26, verses 27 through 28. And one more time, we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home.
Matthew chapter 26, verses 27 and 28. And taking the cup and giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, that of the renewed covenant, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Barukata Yahweh Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Natan Lanu Hadavar HaEmet Vechaye Olam Betukenum Barukata Yahweh Notain Habrit Hadasha Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who gave to us the word of truth and planted life everlasting in our midst. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the renewed covenant. Amen. So in just a moment, we'll be getting to tonight's drosh. But before we get to that, we're going to take a short break, like always, check on our streams. And while we're doing that, if you would, go down below. Let us know what it is that you believe happens to people when we die. Because that is subject to tonight's drosh, right? What happens when we die? Well, let us know in the comments what it is that you think happens when we die. While you're also down there, make sure to hit that like button and then hit the share button and the subscribe button. And also, like I said before, be sure to hit that bell so that you're notified every time we go live or when we upload a new on-demand video. All right, so that's all looking good. And for those of you who don't know, we are multi-streaming to Odyssey, YouTube, and Twitch. Hopefully soon to be Rumble also, but three right now. YouTube, Odyssey, and Twitch. So if one doesn't work or you don't like one or the other, you've always got options to go to one of the other two platforms. Now, of course, the best way to watch is just go directly to GodHonestTruth.com. There, you can click on live stream and it'll take you directly to our live stream. Or you can click on the post for tonight, which tonight's post is what happens when we die. There, you can not only find the video of the live stream, but you can also find the notes that we have taken on this subject of what happens when we die. And you can sort of do your own study as well and do it in addition to anything that you've done already. So we've already taken some notes for you. All you got to do is go to GodHonestTruth.com, click on the post for what happens when we die, and the notes and the live stream, as well as the slides for tonight's drosh, will be all right there, very convenient for you. And if you happen to miss anything tonight, make sure to check back on the website starting about tomorrow morning. And then the on-demand version will be posted up there for you. And that's just in case you happen to miss anything or need to go back in your notes and add something or correct something in your notes as well. So, like I said, tonight's drosh is going to be all about what happens when we die? As we said earlier, this is something that happens to all of us. At some point in time, we are going to die. That's just a fact of life. In secular society, they call it the human condition. In scripture, they call it the wages of sin and death. For the wages of sin is death, right? So we're all going to die because we have all sinned. But what happens after we die. Well, that's what we're going to do tonight. Now, before we start, just want to make a quick note. 
Now, this is not to try and step on anyone's toes, okay? Everyone, especially if you attained any sort of age over 16 or 17, probably, I guess, you're going to have your own opinions and own traditions about what you think happens when we die. Tonight's drosh is going to be all about scripture with some history in it as well, but mostly scripture and what scripture tells us happens when we die. This is not to support any one tradition of any one church or denomination or any one person. Tonight's drosh, tonight's study is all about what scripture tells us about the subject of what happens when we die. So, before we get into this and kind of give you a little bit of a background to the subject and what we're going to be getting into tonight, we're going to start with a cultural overview of some things that various cultures around the world in history have believed about what happens when we die. For instance, the Greeks, they thought as soon as we died that, well, I'll just read it to you from thecollector.com. According to the ancient Greeks, at the time of death, the soul separates from the body and is transported to the underworld, where it is accepted into the realm by the governing god Hades, who is known to reside at the edges of the ocean and under the deepest depths of the earth. So the Greeks believed that as soon as we died, our souls immediately went to their version of the afterlife, right? Immediately went down to Hades. That's the Greek version. The Roman version is very, very similar because the Romans really idolized the Greeks. It only makes sense that the Greek, or I'm sorry, the Roman version of life after death mimics the Greek version of life after death. But the Romans believed in the immortality of the soul and had a complicated belief system about life after death. The ancient Romans believed that when one died, one was met by Mercury, the messenger god and son of Jupiter, and taken to the river Styx that flowed nine times around the underworld. So again, the Romans, like the Greeks, believed that at the moment of death, a person's soul would separate from their body, and they would immediately be in the afterlife, in their version of the afterlife. Now that's the Greeks and the Romans. Scripture tells us something about the Sadducees' thoughts about what happens after death. In Acts 23.8, it says this, For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. So we see straight from Scripture that the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't believe that there would be any resurrection. That when you died, you were dead and that's it. Almost like the secular point of view in today's day and age. However, the Pharisees, on the other hand, believed that there was a resurrection, <coughs> excuse me, and that there was angels and spirits. So the Pharisees, regardless of how many times they got into conflicts with Yeshua, the Pharisees believed in an afterlife, a resurrection, the world to come, as Judaism puts it. So that's a little bit of a background on some cultural overviews of various things. But 
So far, we've only covered pagans. Greek paganism, we've covered Roman paganism, we've covered Judaism with the Pharisees and Sadducees specifically. But what about some Christian ideas about death? Well, the Christian idea about what happens after death has kind of evolved over the centuries, over the millennia. One good example of this is we call it a creed. It's commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed or the Apostolic Creed. But the Apostles' Creed that we know today didn't really come about until about the late 4th or 5th century. Okay? Therefore, it most likely wasn't written by the Apostles themselves. However, the Apostles' Creed that we know today is actually a modification to an earlier creed that predates it. That earlier creed is known as the Old Roman Creed. And it was the precursor to the Apostles' Creed that we know today. And the Old Roman Creed read as such, I believe in God the Father Almighty, and in, Je and in Christ Jesus, His only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, who under Pontius Pilate was crucified and buried, on the third day rose again from the dead, ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, whence he will come to judge the living and the dead, and in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the remission of sins, the resurrection of the flesh, and the life everlasting. Oh, excuse me. So you can see there it's very, very similar, but definitely not the Apostles' Creed that we know of today. However, the Apostles' Creed we know today adds some things and changes some things, okay? And it reads as such. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Christ, Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived from the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, descended into hell, rose again from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So, it's much longer. If you were just listening to it, you can tell it's much longer than the old Roman Creed. And they actually add some things and change some things to the old Roman Creed, which predates it. Things such as calling God the Father the maker of heaven and earth. Okay, that's an addition to the creed that came before it, but, you know, they're right about it, even though in that addition. It also adds things like the communion of saints. Okay, that's specifically a Catholic thing. Not something you find in Scripture, but it's a Catholic thing. It also, instead of the original, the Holy Church, it adds the Holy Catholic Church. Okay? So again, another addition there. But the part I want to draw your attention to is this part here. Now, in the old Roman creed, it reads as such, who under Pontius Pilate was crucified and buried on the third day rose again from the dead. Okay, that's the old Roman creed, the original Apostles' Creed. But the one we know today adds this in. It said, who suffered 
under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, descended into hell, rose again from the dead on the third day. They added that part, descended into hell. Okay? Now, is that... That's an addition. Okay? This part was one to point out. But did it really add something there that shouldn't be there? Or do we actually get that from Scripture? Did Jesus himself go down into hell? Hopefully by the end of tonight, you'll be able to answer that question. Go back and look at this. So write that down in your notes. And hopefully at the end, you'll be able to answer that question. Now, moving on to some Christian ideas about what happens when we die. Some ideas of Christians, they think that the body and the soul perish at death. We just blink out of existence, and that's it. We have this life on earth, we die, and then that's it. Sort of like the old Sadducee doctrine on life after death, right? The second concept that some people ascribe to is that the body perishes, but the soul exists unconsciously. This doctrine is sometimes called the doctrine of soul sleep. So, what, in a nutshell, what this doctrine states is that when we die, your soul goes unconscious or goes to sleep, and then at the resurrection, you're raised from the dead, and you're given a new body, and if, if you're righteous anyways, and then you enter into eternal life, or you have eternal life with Yeshua for all eternity. Okay, that's the second concept of a Christian idea of life after death. And then the third concept is that the body perishes, but the soul lives on consciously. This doctrine is also known as the doctrine of dualism. And there's a lot of people who actually subscribe to this doctrine in modern day. In a nutshell, what this doctrine teaches is that what happens when you die is that your body, of course, decays and rots. You're buried and you return to dust, like the Bible says, right? But as soon as you die, you immediately go to heaven, or if you're unrighteous and unsaved, you immediately go to hell, okay? So that's a three different concepts of what happens when we die from a more Christian perspective. But, like we said earlier, the nice drosh is going to be about the scriptural perspective. Not the Greek perspective, Roman perspective, Sadducee, Pharisee perspective, or any particular denomination's perspective. We're looking at the scriptural perspective. So let's go ahead and dive into that and see what it is that scripture tells us about what happens when we die. Now, the very first instance we find, the very first clue we get in Scripture about what happens when we die comes from Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 14 through 16. And Yahweh said to Moshe, See, the days have drawn near for you to die. Call Yehoshua and present yourselves in the tent of appointment so that I command him. 
And Moshe and Yehoshua went and presented themselves in the tent of appointment. And Yahweh appeared at the tent in a column of a cloud. And the column of a cloud stood above the door of the tent. And Yahweh said to Moshe, See, you are about to sleep with your fathers, and this people shall rise and whore after the mighty ones of the strangers of the land into the midst of which they shall enter, and forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Now, a couple things to notice there, two in particular. First, Yahweh is telling Moshe that he said, <clears throat> he says that Moshe is about to die. He says, the days have drawn near for you to die. Right? So we know that Moses is about to die and Yahweh is telling him about his death. And it says here again, Yahweh said to Moshe, quote, See, you are about to sleep with your fathers. Speaking of his death, he says that Moses is about to sleep with his fathers. Okay? And as we go through scripture, we find this is a common phrase and terminology for death. Okay, let's look at that. 1 Kings 2.10 And Dawid slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of Dawid. Again, 1 Kings 11.43 So Shalomo slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of Dawid, his father, and Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. 2 Kings 10.35 So Yehu slept with his fathers and they buried him in Shomeron and Jehoahaz, his son, reigned in his place. Oh, excuse me. And we see this all throughout the Tanakh, or the, aka, Old Testament. We see the phrase, slept with their fathers, over and over and over again. We see it many times in 1 Kings, we see it many times in 2 Kings, we see it many times in 2 Chronicles, etc., 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 now, once again, if you'd like to see all these, go to the post for what happens when we die on GodHonestTruth.com, and our notes will be right there in that post for you to view for yourself. And you'll be able to see all these links for yourself. I'm sorry, all these scriptures for yourself right there in those notes. But many, 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 many times, the Old Testament or Tanakh states of death that they slept with their fathers. Okay, so keep that in mind. <clears throat> Even Job, in Job 3, 11 through 19, states, Why did I not die from the womb, come forth from the belly and expire? For now I would have been lying in peace, I would have slept, then I would have been at rest with sovereigns and counselors of the earth. There the wrong cease raging, and there the weary are at rest. The prisoners rest together. They do not hear the voice of the oppressor. The small and great are there, and the servant is free from his master. So, if we're going to go back and start to see a pattern here, we see that Scripture tells us, as so far just in the Tanakh from what we've examined, anyways, we're going to get into the Brit Hadashah in just a second. 
But from what the Tanakh or the AKA Old Testament tells us is that it describes death and what happens when we die as a unconscious state, as a type of sleeping. Okay? We can see that directly. It says it slept with our fathers. Yahweh told Moshe, you are about to sleep with your father. You're with your ancestors, right? So, we've got that metaphor and that language of unconsciousness or sleep when we die. Now, let's go ahead and move into the Brit Hadashah or the New Testament. Now, there are some preachers and some denominations out there who state that, well, when Jesus or Yeshua come, everything changed. He did away with the law. He did away with the dietary requirements, et cetera, et cetera. Things changed when Jesus came, right? Obviously, those of the Messianic faith take the entire Bible as one and all together. We believe that all scripture is profitable, right? No parts done away with. However, let's look at scripture and see what scripture has to say about everything, but specifically tonight's subject of what happens when we die. And we're going to start with the very words and actions of our Messiah Yeshua himself. In John 11, 11 through 14, it states, He said this, and after that he said to them, Our friend Eleazar has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Therefore the taught one said to him, Master, if he has fallen asleep, he shall recover. But Yeshua had spoken about his death, whereas they thought that he spoke of taking rest and sleep. So then Yeshua said to them plainly, Eleazar has died. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with terminology, this is the story of Lazarus, right? And Lazarus being rose from the, uh, brought back to life, right, by Yeshua. Now, it says here that Yeshua said that Lazarus, or Eleazar, had fallen asleep. And then it goes down to say that he was talking about Lazarus's death. So even Yeshua himself is using the same language to describe death as did the Tanakh or the AKA Old Testament. And let's move on. Okay. Matthew 27 verses 51 through 52. This is the time when Yeshua was crucified. And it says, And see, the veil of the dwelling place was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth was shaken, and the rocks were split, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the set-apart ones, or saints, who had fallen asleep, were raised. Okay? So even at Yeshua's death during his life, death was described as an unconscious or sleep state. At his death, during the moments of his death, other people's death were described as a state of unconsciousness or sleep state. And they were raised up and went about, you know, doing whatever it is they did. But, <clears throat> as some people state, did everything change after the resurrection and ascension of Yeshua? Well, let's look at this. Acts 7, 59 through 60. This is the first 
martyr, Stephen, okay? And they were stoning Stephanos as he was calling and saying, Master Yeshua, receive my spirit. And kneeling down, he cried out with a loud voice, Master, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. So even after the ascension of Yeshua, after the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension, Scripture is still referring to what happens when we die as a type of sleep or unconsciousness. We can see here from the very first martyr, Stephen, that he was being stoned to death. And it describes him as falling asleep. That's how it describes his death. Again, Acts 13, 36 and 37. For Dawid, indeed, having served his own generation by the counsel of Elohim, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. But he who, whom Elohim raised up saw no corruption. So, even in Acts, again, it's talking about David falling asleep, sleeping with his fathers. And then later on in Hebrew, it says that not even David has ascended into the heavens. So keep that in mind. I should have included that scripture. Didn't get it done in time. I apologize, but you can find it. Talking about how Dave, even David has not ascended into the heavens. Moving on in 1 Corinthians 11, 29-30, the Apostle Paul states, For the one who is eating and drinking unworthily eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the body of the master. Because of this, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Again, the Apostle Paul using this same language to describe what happens when we die. Then, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-6, For I delivered to you at the first that which I also received, that Messiah died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Kepha, then by the twelve. After that, He was seen by over 500 brothers at one time, of whom the greater part remain till now, but some have fallen asleep. He's saying that some of them have died. They've fallen asleep. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 17 through 20. And if Messiah has not been raised, your belief is to no purpose. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Messiah have perished. If in this life only we have expectation in Messiah, we are of all men the most wretched. But now Messiah has been raised from the dead and has become the first fruit of those having fallen asleep. He's called the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep because Yeshua himself took upon himself the punishment for our sins. And the punishment is death. Yeshua died for our sins. And if he did not die, then our sins are not forgiven. But Yeshua died. He was buried. He fell asleep, as Scripture would put it. And then he was raised again. And here, Paul, and many other places in Scripture, refers to him as being the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. He was the first to be resurrected, the first fruit. 
look at Ephesians 5, 13-14. But all matters being convicted are manifested by the light, for whatever is manifested is light. That is why he says, Wake up, you who sleep, and arise from the dead, and Messiah shall shine on you. This is a wonderful verse to illustrate the, the very subject that we're talking about tonight, about what happens when we die. So, it says here, specifically, Wake up, you who sleep, who are those who are sleeping, and arise from the dead was talking about the dead. The dead, this, those who are asleep, those who are in a state of unconsciousness. Going back and looking at Isaiah 26, 19, it says, Let your dead live together with my dead body. Let them arise, awake and sing, you who dwell in dust. For your dew is a dew of light, and let the earth give birth to the, the departed spirits. So here, as you can see, it's talking about the end times and the resurrection, and it's saying, wake up, arise, sing. Right? Awake and sing. Those of you who dwell in the dust, those of you who are sleeping with your fathers, those of you who sleep with your ancestors, those of you who have died and dwelling in the dust, wake up and sing. So let's talk about the future resurrection. Then we look at 2 Peter 3, 1 through 4. This is now, beloved ones, the second letter I write to you in which I stir up your sincere mind to remember the words previously spoken by the set-apart prophets and of the command of the Master and Savior, spoken by your emissaries, knowing this first, that mockers shall come in the last days with mocking, walking according to their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all continues as from the beginning of creation. Again, talking about what happens when we die as falling asleep, as a state of unconsciousness. And if you'll look at our notes on the post on GodHonestTruth.com, you'll see this phrase is used Many, 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 many times. Because that's the way Scripture describes what happens when we die. So, how does this all come together? What does this all really mean? Okay. Well, let's refresh your memory and look at some more Scripture real quick. Ecclesiastes 9, 2-5. It is the same for all. One event to the righteous and to the wrong to the good and to the clean and to the unclean. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not, nor do they have any more reward, for the remembrance is forgotten. So here we see that this one event, death, happens to all, both the righteous and the unrighteous, the clean and the unclean. It happens to us all. Okay? Because we have sinned, we die. Even if we're saved, we're still going to die the first death. Okay? More on that later. But both the righteous and the unrighteous, the clean and the unclean, die. It is the same for all. One event. That's what Scripture tells us here. So it happens to all. 
and we all take part in the same fate immediately after we die. We all go to sleep. We all go unconscious, both the righteous and the unrighteous. Check this out. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-16 Now, brothers, we do not wish you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you be sad as others who have no expectation. For if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, so also Elohim shall bring with him those who sleep in Yeshua. For this we say to you by the word of the Master, that we, the living, who are left over at the coming of the Master, shall in no way go before those who are asleep. Because the Master himself shall come down from heaven with a shout, with the voice of a chief messenger, and with the trumpet of Elohim, and the dead in Messiah shall rise first. Those who sleep in Messiah shall rise first and go before those who are still living. So, even at the time of Yeshua's second coming, there's still going to be those who sleep in the dust, those who are still in that state of unconsciousness. And they will be raised first. The righteous dead, the righteous sleeping, will be raised first. Then, let's go back and look at Daniel 12, 1 through 2, talking about the end times. Now, at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great head who is standing over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of distress, such as never was since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth wake up, some to everlasting life and some to reproaches, everlasting abhorrence. So again, it's talking about both the righteous and the unrighteous as sleeping or unconscious in the dust. And some of those, the righteous, will wake up to everlasting life. The others, the unrighteous, will wake up to everlasting abhorrent, abhorrence and reproaches. So again, it happens to both the righteous and the unrighteous at the moment of death. We go unconscious or aka asleep when we die. That happens for both the good and the bad of everyone. Now check this out. Revelation 20, 4 through 6. And I saw thrones, and, on, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them in the lives of those who had been beheaded because of the witness they bore to Yeshua and because of the word of Elohim, and who did not worship the beast nor his image and did not receive his mark upon their foreheads or upon their hands. And they lived and reigned with Messiah for a thousand years, and the rest of the dead did not come to life. The rest of the dead, the rest of the dead, did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and set apart is the one having part in the first resurrection. The second death possesses no authority over these, but they shall be priests of Elohim and of Messiah and shall reign with him a thousand years. So, Scripture talks about two different kinds of resurrections, right? We just saw back in Daniel how the righteous would be awakened or risen 
to a everlasting life, right? And then we see this first resurrection in Revelation. So it's all coming together. That the righteous will be awakened or rose up, resurrected on the first resurrection. Then the second resurrection is for the unrighteous in the day of judgment, where they will receive, as Daniel puts it, reproaches and everlasting abhorrence. And as Revelation puts it, be cast into the lake of fire, Gehenna, hell. That is the second death. But again, the righteous are awoken or arisen on the first resurrection. And then the second resurrection is for the unrighteous. Then John 5, 28 through 29. Do not marvel at this, because the hour is coming in which all those in the tombs shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have practiced evil matters to a resurrection of of judgment. Again, talking about two different resurrections here. First resurrection, the resurrection of life for the righteous. And then the second resurrection is the resurrection of judgment for the unrighteous, those who have practiced evil matters, as John puts it here. So coming all together, what does it all mean? Okay, in a nutshell, we're going to live, and then we're going to die. We all know this. So at the moment of death, our bodies start to decay and go back to dust. That's what Scripture says, that our, we will return from dust we came, and to dust we will return. Okay, so our bodies return back to dust. It also says in Scripture that our spirit returns to Elohim who gave it, but our soul, because we're body, soul, and spirit, our soul goes unconscious. Our soul is us. It's who we are. It's not that we have a soul. It's that we are a soul. Okay? And at the moment of death, our soul goes unconscious in a state of sleep, you could say. And like any other sleep, we'll, the passage of time will not even occur to us. It's like we'll die, and the next thing we know, it's almost like the end times are here already. Even though a millennia could have passed between our actual death and the resurrection. But it'll be like sleeping at night. You go to bed and morning comes way too soon, most times. But we don't normally experience the passage of time between when we go to sleep at night and wake up in the morning. Same thing is going to be true about when we die. We'll go to, our souls will go to sleep and then we'll wake up at the resurrection and then it'll be the end times. Then we'll, we the righteous will have new bodies. We will have you know glorified bodies and live forever and be priest and reign with Messiah. Okay, and the unrighteous they will also be resurrected in the second resurrection, but they will go through judgment day, and then they will be cast into the lake of fire. Now, this whole concept of an unconscious state when we die, okay, still lives on 
in some common terminology that has been passed down to us through the years, even sometimes hundreds, thousands of years sometimes. Take, for instance, the word cemetery. Now, what is a cemetery? We're described today, it's a place, usually next to a church. Um, not always, but usually. And that's where we bury people, bury the deceased, right? Okay. But where do we get this word cemetery from? Well, actually, the word cemetery comes from a Greek word, and that Greek word is koimaterion, meaning sleeping place or dormitory. Very, very interesting, right? So the original word for cemetery, or where we get our word cemetery, meant sleeping place. Okay? So it fits with that, but did Christians even use that? way back when, or just kind of somehow pop in from other sources. Well, the online etymology dictionary states that early Christian writers were the first to use it for a burial ground, though the Greek word also had been anciently used in reference to the sleep of death. So, cemetery, sleeping place. Kind of fits and still a remnant of how people used to think about death before many centuries and many different ideas crept in. Here's another term, rest in peace, or RIP. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, it comes from the Latin requisca on pace. I don't speak Latin, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, but it comes from the Latin requisca on pace. Now, this actually has a basis in Scripture, too, as you've probably guessed from all the Scripture we've read so far. We look at Isaiah 57, 1 through 2. The righteous one has perished, and no one takes it to heart, and committed men are taken away, while no one understands that the righteous one is taken away from the presence of evil. He enters into peace. They who walk in integrity rest on their beds. So again, in Scripture itself, talks about the dead resting, sleeping, being unconscious. Okay? Barnes Bible Commentary states on Isaiah 57 to you, The idea is that by his death the righteous man shall enter into rest. He shall get away from conflict, strife, agitation, and distress. This may either refer to the peaceful rest of the grave, or to that which awaits the just in a better world. The direct meaning here intended is probably the former, meaning the peaceful rest of the grave, since the grave is often spoken of as a place of rest. And we saw that for ourselves, that many, many different times in Scripture, the grave or tomb or wherever they're buried is referred to as a sleeping place, as a place of rest. Rest in peace. Job gives pretty much the same idea. Job 3.11 Why did I not die from the womb, come forth from the belly, and expire? Then he goes on in verses 13 through 19 to state, For now I would have been lying in peace. He's saying if he would have died from the womb, he would have been lying now in peace. He says, I would have slept, then I would have been at rest. 
with, and he goes on to say, sovereigns, counselors, rulers, and infants who never saw light, unborn children. He says, the weary are at rest, the prisoners rest together. Speaking of the dead, resting, sleeping, unconscious. But some of you out there watching this and going over this information may already have questions in your mind. You've had a certain tradition about what happens after we die that you were raised with, that is in the culture and in your circles. And you're asking, but, but what about, okay, let's try to answer that real quick. And some of the more common ones that are probably running through your head right now. First of all, let's look at the story of Lazarus and the rich man. This comes from Luke 16, 19 through 31. Quick overview. Jesus says that there was a certain man whose food from, from the table and the dogs were allowed to eat it, but the poor man, Lazarus, who was waiting on the doorstep outside, couldn't get it, and they both died, the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus. Rich man went to hell and was tormented, and Lazarus, the poor man, went to heaven, and they saw each other, and the rich man in hell tried to get Lazarus to go tell his brothers and his family to you know, repent and go the right way. And so on and so forth. You can read it for yourself, Luke 16, 19 through 31. Now, many people take this as proof that there is a instant destination for when we die. However, we have to seriously look at what Scripture is saying here. Okay? There's some contention about this. Not very much. There's very few people who contend with this point that I'm about to make, but some do. We have to realize here that Yeshua, Jesus, is teaching a parable. It is not relating an actual historical fact, something that actually happened. Okay, he's teaching a parable. And parables are meant to teach something, a moral teaching, right? It's not meant to be taken literal. How do we know that this was actually a parable? When we look at Matthew 13, 34, it says this, Yeshua said all this to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. Now, during this teaching of Yeshua about Lazarus and the rich man, he was speaking to the crowds. He was speaking to the Pharisees. And it says he never spoke to them without a parable. So number one, that tells us that, you know, he, this story of Lazarus and the rich man was a parable. Okay, another piece of evidence for it being a parable is that if this were the recounting of a real-life event, something that actually happened, it would be the only one that Yeshua ever told in public like this. Okay, but we already see here in Matthew that it says that Yeshua spoke to the crowd, spoke to the Pharisees in parables. So we know that this was a parable. Now, I'm not going to go too much further into this because the ministry, 119 Ministries, has already done an absolutely wonderful job explaining this. This is in their Life After Death series and part four or video four called Difficult Verses. Okay, 
And they explain the metaphor behind Yeshua's teaching here in the parable about who the rich man was, about who the father of the rich man was, about who his brothers were, et cetera, et cetera. They do an absolutely wonderful job of going in depth about this. Okay. And it's all about Lazarus and the rich man parable. So I would definitely invite you to go and check that out for yourself. If you would like more information about this point, but just let it be known that Yeshua was teaching a parable here and was not recounting a real life event. But speaking on the point of instant destination, some people do hold to the idea that when we die, we immediately either go to heaven or we go to hell. The righteous go to heaven as soon as we die, or the unrighteous go to hell as soon as they die. Okay. One of the verses, one of the few verses they get this idea is from 2 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8. And it says here, for we walk by belief, not by sight. We are of good courage and are well-pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the master. And the reasoning goes like this, that Paul here is saying that when we're absent from the body, then we're present with Yeshua. That's what they think Paul is saying. Some other translations says, yes, we are of good courage and would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Lord, that's the ESV. The CJB states, we are confident then and would much prefer to leave our home in the body and come to our home with the Lord. In the TLV, it says, we are confident, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and at home with the Lord. Notice in all four of the translations we presented here, something that you may have missed in your initial reading. It says here that we would rather, we would much prefer to be absent from the body and home with the Lord. It's not saying that when we're absent from the body, we're at home with the Lord. It says that they would rather be absent from the body and at home with the Lord. Now, we've already seen some writings from Paul using the very same language as the rest of Scripture about what happens when we die, about falling asleep. Paul has already used that language that we've examined tonight. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Because the master himself shall come down from heaven with a shout, with the voice of a chief messenger, and with the trumpet of Elohim, and the dead and Messiah shall rise first. So apparently, Paul is not saying that teaching any kind of instant destination kind of theology here. He is reiterating the same thing the rest of Scripture is stating, that the dead and Messiah will rise first, meaning the dead and Messiah are still in the ground. They're not somewhere else. They're not in heaven or hell. They're still unconscious in that sleep state. Let's look at Revelation 20, 11 through 13. And I saw a great white throne and him who was sitting on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from what was written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Sheol gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to their works. 
So we see it's not until the end times that the dead are given up. Okay? The sea, those who are dead in the sea, the sea gave up the dead at the end times. Not at the point of the person's death, but in the end times. Then it goes on to say that death and Sheol, sometimes translated as hell, better translated as the grave or in the earth, but it says death and Sheol gave up the dead. But it doesn't say that they gave up the dead as soon as the dead died. It says that death and Sheol gave up the dead here in the end times. So scripture states that the dead are in an unconscious or sleep state until the end times. Now, if Paul was really teaching a doctrine of instant destination, such as we go to heaven or hell as soon as we die, he had many, many, many chances to do so throughout all of his writings. Most of the books of the Brit Hadashah or New Testament are Paul's. Paul has more books included in our canon than any other writer. So Paul had many, many, many chances to teach this. But did he? Let's look at this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 16. Now, brothers, we do not wish you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you be sad as others who have no expectation. For if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, so also Elohim shall bring with him those who sleep in Yeshua. For this we say to you by the word of the Master, that we the living who are left over at the coming of the Master shall in no way go before those who are asleep. Because the Master himself shall come down from heaven with a shout, with the voice of a chief messenger, and with the trumpet of Elohim, and the dead in Messiah shall rise first. A couple of points here. Number one, notice that opening phrase in the passage we included. It says, Now, brothers, we do not wish you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you be sad as others who have no expectation. Right here, we already know he's talking about the dead, and he's trying to comfort the people he's writing this letter to. And this would have been a perfect chance for Paul to tell these people in Thessalonica, to tell them that all of your loved ones, all the people you're concerned about, they're up there somewhere, wherever heaven is. That's where they're at. They're in heaven. He had the perfect chance and perfect opportunity right here in 1 Thessalonians 4 to say such that. But no, he doesn't. He goes on to say the same thing that the rest of Scripture says that the dead are in a sleep state or an unconscious state, and that the dead will rise first at the end times when Messiah comes back. Okay, and he contrasts that. He says, The living who are left over shall in no wise go before those who are asleep. Okay? He's talking about those who are living and those who are dead those who are living and those who are asleep in a sleep state or an unconscious state. But again, he's saying the same thing that the rest of Scripture is stating. Then we look at Ecclesiastes 12, 7. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to Elohim who gave it. 
Now, this might be a point where things start to get a little bit confusing. Okay. You say, well, you just told us that we go to sleep, but then we go to Yahweh when we die. So which is it? Well, look here. It says, dust returns to the earth as it was. Oh, excuse me. But the spirit returns to Elohim. It's talking about our bodies and our spirit. But spirit is not the same thing as soul. Scripture actually differentiates between body, soul, and spirit. Don't believe me? Check this out. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Two different things that Scripture is talking about, and not just here, but in other places as well. It's talking about soul and spirit. We have a body, we are a soul, and we have a spirit. When we die, our bodies return to the dust, as Scripture tells us. Our spirit returns to Yahweh who gave it. We just read that. Okay? But the real question comes down to what happens to our soul, to our very being, which is really who we are, our soul. We don't have a soul. We are a soul. But what happens to us, our soul? That's what we've just been covering all night. At the moment of death, we go into a sleep state, an unconscious state, until the end times. If we are part of the righteous, we will take part in the first resurrection. If we are part of the unrighteous, we'll take part in the second resurrection. But when we die, and until the end times, until the resurrections, our souls, us, who we are, will be unconscious in a sleep state. That's what Scripture says from beginning to end. Those who have fallen asleep, those who sleep with their fathers, those who sleep with their ancestors, etc., etc., etc. Now, some things that we did not cover during this drosh for sake of time, because we're already an hour and a half into service now. Some things not covered. We did not cover various terminology like Sheol, Hades, and Gehenna. Those are important things to know, and I would advise you to do your own study on those to learn what those things mean. Basically, in a nutshell, Sheol and Hades, Sheol is the Hebrew word, and Hades is the Greek word that mean pretty much the same thing. Burial place, tomb, grave, pit, in the earth. Okay? Sometimes mistranslated in certain translations as hell, but when they wrote that way back when, what they thought of as hell isn't what we thought think of as hell today. However, the Greek word Gehenna, that's what we think of as hell. Okay? It's the lake of fire. Like I said, that's just a nutshell, but there's more that goes into that, and we invite you to do further study on your own. Number two, we did not discuss what or where is heaven. That is definitely a discussion all on its own, a drosh that can stand apart all on its own. And we've taken up a lot more time than what we've already taken up tonight. We did not get into hell. 
whether it's eternal torment or second death or et cetera, et cetera. Again, that's something that could be its own drosh and was its own drosh back during the summer. If you missed that drosh or that episode, go back and look in the on-demand videos and you should be able to find that drosh on hell. We did not talk about the immortality of the soul or the mortality of the soul. So which is it, immortality or mortality? We didn't get into that, and we invite you to do your own study on that for further understanding. And we would like to leave you with this quote from Arrhenius. He said, As our master did not at once take flight to heaven, but awaited the time of his resurrection, so we ought also to await the time of our resurrection. And he's right. When Yeshua was crucified and he died, he was buried and stayed in the tomb. He stayed in that unconscious sleep state like we do for three days and three nights, right? He didn't immediately go to his final destination. And as such, we are going to be doing similar thing. When we die, we're going to be in our tomb, in our grave, in our unconscious sleep state until our resurrection. Because like Yeshua, we do not go to our final destination immediately on death either. There's a period of time before we get there, just like with Yeshua. So, in conclusion, <clears throat> when we die, whether we are righteous or unrighteous, our souls go into an unconscious or sleep state, but our spirit returns to Yahweh and our bodies return to dust. We do not receive our reward, whether that be eternal life, because only the righteous have eternal life. But we do not receive our reward, whether it be eternal life or the second death, until the day of judgment at the resurrections. And it is only then that we are allowed into heaven or cast into the lake of fire. And that's just the God honest truth. Thank you so much, Toda, for joining us tonight. We really hope you got something out of it. And if you did, then let us know down in the comments below. We always love hearing from you. We definitely love hearing what you got out of tonight's drosh or tonight's service. And if you have any comments or suggestions, we love hearing those as well. Now, in just a moment, we'll be doing the Aaronic Benediction. So if you have anyone there with you at home that you would like to have gathered next to you when we do that, then go ahead and start gathering them together. And while you're doing that, also make sure to go down below, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button and ring the bell, and also hit that share button and share it around with your friends, family, coworkers, or who have you. And so, now for tonight's Aaronic Benediction. Yivarikika Yahweh, Vayishmarecha, Yair Yahweh Panavelecha, Vichunecha, Yisah Yahweh, Panavelecha, Vayasim Lecha, 
Shalom. May Yahweh bless you and guard you. May Yahweh make his face shed light upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yahweh lift up his face unto you and give you peace. Thank you once again for joining us tonight. We hope that today, Shabbat, is a day of rest and reflection and education and studying God's Word. We hope that this next upcoming week is filled with good food, good fortunes, good friends, good family, and good celebration of Hanukkah, right? And until we see you again next week, Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Shabbat Shalom, Shavua Tov, take care of each other and take care of yourselves. Shabbat Shalom.